This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Robert N. Maycomer is an award-winning author of maritime novels. He's best known for his honor series, including the 16th title in the series, Code of Honor, which was released in April of this year. He's also an internationally recognized lecturer and an all-around history enthusiast and researcher who travels widely. We've had Mr. Maycomer on this show over the years to talk about his novels and his life's adventures, and he was a guest on our show Three Song Stories back in 2018. But today he joins us to talk about what he and his wife Nancy have experienced since Hurricane Ian made landfall on September 28th. Maycomer grew up on the waters along the coast of southwest Florida. He and his wife's home on Pine Island was completely destroyed by Hurricane Ian's storm surge and winds. He joins us today to tell us that story and what has unfolded since. Robert N. Maycomer, welcome back to Gulf Coast Life. I truly wish it was under different circumstances. So do I, Mike. Um... But it's not, so we have to make do with what we have. Indeed we do. So um, just start from the beginning here. How long uh, have you lived on Pine Island? Well, I've lived on Pine Island or Mantlachet Island for 30 years. Uh, I grew up here, and I've lived also on Estero Island. Uh, I worked on Cinnabel Island. I lived on San Carlos Island. I lived for a little bit on Hickory Island. So I've been on a lot. So it's, it's just natural for me. Um, how long were you in the home that was destroyed by Ian? Uh, it would have been nine years in March. And was that, um, was that on Matt Lachey, or where exactly was it on the island? Uh, no, it was in St. James, which is at the southern end of Pine Island. Matt Lachey is a different island. Right. And um, St. James is at the very end. It's the largest town on the island, and it's at the very southern end of Pine Island. Can you describe your home? I know, um, you know, we talked before the show, so I know that it, that it was, you know, destroyed, but can you describe, you know, where it was and what it was like um, before the storm? Well, it was an old Florida stilt cottage, and, uh, and that means that the main living area was up on silts, about uh, 12 feet above sea level, and then um, the ground level was where my office was, where I did my work and I uh, researched and wrote my, my lectures and my uh, books and, uh, and did consulting work for Department of Defense and did uh, book reviews for, for New York a Journal of Books and did all my work there. So, um, Where were you during the storm? Well, we had, we had left there because we knew that would be unsafe. And we went to high ground in the middle of the island. And we survived there very, very well. And uh, then we went back to St. James. We finally got back to St. James to see how our house was doing um, the day after and got to shock. So. What um what did you see when you got back? Was there was there something left? Was it you know just describe that scene for us if you don't mind? Bob, are you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Uh, we can hear you now. I'm sorry you dropped out for a second. Can you describe you know what it was you returned to? Yeah, we returned uh, to a street that was completely destroyed. Uh, all the houses were either destroyed or catastrophically damaged. And when we got down the street to our place, 
um, I thought, well, okay, we'll have damage down on the lower level on the ground because the storm surge was about uh, six feet above the ground level. And, um, and, and the ground level was about three feet above the sea level. What we found was simply a pile of debris. Uh, the the lower level had been completely flooded out, and uh, everything uh, we were, we lived on the water, so everything from the dock inland, including our boat, uh, was destroyed. And then the upper level was exploded by the winds. Um, the winds there were about 150 gusting to 170 out of the southeast, and so it just exploded it and. Um, that was that. You know, um, having grown up living on the Barrier Islands, being out on the water, had you lived your life knowing that a storm with this sort of surge and winds was always a possibility, or because it had been so long since we'd seen anything like this along the coast, had it not really been part of your perspective? No, I always knew that it was uh, definitely a possibility. Um, This was a worst-case scenario because uh, we had a, what's called a long fetch. Sailors know that term. That's where there is a, a long distance of water with nothing intervening uh, to build up the dome of the of the storm surge. It came out of the south and then veered out of the southwest. Um, the, there are surge models for this coast where the bottom topography dictates what the storm surge will be and uh, Estero Island, which is known as Fort Myers Beach, is um, is always been on the on the worst case scenario, uh, and of course it happened on this one. And we also uh, got worst case scenario at St. James. So, so how did you proceed? Um, were there things you were able to collect, or did you just, you know, like what was your first next steps after discovering what had happened? Well, we, we, we were able to evacuate some of our records and some of our uh, work things in the, in the, on the day before. But um, when we got back there on the day after, we just had to start combing through the wreckage uh, that included uh, that included tunneling into the wreckage and trying to find things uh, everything from records to uh, computers to um, the computers were ruined but uh, to you know clothing uh, we didn't find much of that so we spent uh, four days trying to find something that we of, of either emotional value or of working value um, that that we could use and um, and during that time of course you couldn't get off the island because for the first time since 1928 uh, the roadway to the island was completely washed away so finally on the fifth day we were able to get off the island by boat was you said your boat was blown away? Yeah, my my boat, my little sailboat, which I loved, uh, was forty one years old and had been through all kinds of things. It didn't make it through Hurricane Ian. Hmm. So, um, what happened was uh, Islanders were showing up uh, at Matlache 
and taking boats that were, it wasn't a government operation. It was an operation by uh, volunteer citizens. And they, and they would take their boat over to Mount Lachey. Um, in our case, we got on a boat at Yucatan Restaurant, and they ferried people over to the uh, mainland. And uh, we had some in-laws that drove down from Tampa that then picked us up and took us to Tampa, where we live now. When was the last time you were out on Pine Island? We've come back several times. We were there last week. Um, you know, I, I haven't been to your house, but I know like the life that you've lived and the traveling that you've done, and I just always imagined it being filled with all sorts of things that you had collected over the decades. It, was that all just there, and so a lot of that's just gone now? Yeah, a lot of it's gone. Um, I've been in 74 countries uh, on, my, uh, on my, my different careers, and um, I brought back uh, mementos. Um, it we found in the, in the debris, and we were able to, uh, to put into bags and then air out and things like that. Hmm. What about, uh, you know, manuscripts, uh, things from your, your work? Uh, you mentioned computers were destroyed. Was there anything permanently lost, or were you a good archivist in a, in a protective way? Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? We had a storage unit on the mainland, oh. and all of the scripts are, my original manuscripts are there, and, um, and a lot of my work archives are there. And uh, so when we, you know, I'm still a working author and lecturer. I lecture on 63 different topics, and I, my 17th book comes out in April. So um, the fact the hurricane hit doesn't stop all that. You have to keep on working because people expect you to, uh, to get things done. And um, I, my publisher is up north, uh, the United States Naval Institute. And I was, I was immediately uh, greeted by an email saying that uh, I had to do an approval uh, review of my 17th book. Um, otherwise, it would be in, uh, it would be in the uh, delayed in production. So you know, it's it's the it's the biggest calamity of your life. But then there are people that expect you to still get your work done. So you have to. You have to prioritize. Have you been able to manage to bear down and get that work done despite your, you know, utter disruption on all fronts? Yeah. Um, you know, what you have to do is you have to compartmentalize the situation into different segments, and then you prioritize that, and uh, which has to be done first, and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And then um, I'm a person of faith, so I have uh, sort of hope springs eternal, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, you, you compartmentalize into personal disruption, professional disruption. Then, of course, there's the community disruption, uh, which affects you. But uh, all along uh, the way, um, we managed to keep a level head and, and continue the work. And uh, we lost all of our work uh, events for October, but we are back working 
and I have two events that I'm doing uh, this week. So, two events in person, or are you like doing Zoom things still? Nope, I'm going to be in person. Uh, I'll be at uh, and on Thursday. I'll be at the uh, and I'm really looking forward to this a private VIP reception um, at the Military Heritage Museum in Punta Gorda. They have a great Military Heritage Museum. It's for members only, but uh, you can always, if anybody wants to go to that, they can certainly join and become a member and then see if they can get in on that. And then on Friday, I'm doing a, uh, a lecture at Shell Point um, on uh, Japan Rising, the ascendancy over Asia uh, in the mid 1890s, which tells the story of um, of how Japan rose to become a modern nation. Hmm. And then uh, one of my favorite things that's coming up is in April, and that is that the the Sydney and Burn Davis Art Center that I know that you know so well, and that's uh, they've asked me to be part of the famous authors lecture series. So that's in April on April 3rd. And uh, in the meantime, uh, between now and then, I have another 15 to 20 events um, all over the place that I've got to, to you know, do and, and uh, fulfill. So. Um, you mentioned, you know, how disruptive this has been to the community out there. Can you describe the community on Pine Island? You know, I've spent some time out there over the years. I've known some people who, who've lived out there. Um, it's kind of a different, uh, it's a different sort of island and a different sort of people. Can you just talk about the community and, and what you've seen since the storm through that lens? It's a very different island. It's a working island. It's, the, it's, a, it's a commercial fishing island commercial agricultural island. In fact, we are the last agricultural island in all of Florida. And um, it's the kind of island where you can get fresh seafood, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables. Um, in, my, in my various, in my various uh, uh, appearances around the world, sometimes I end up having to wear a tuxedo on the Queen Mary 2 and things like that. And people always ask me, what is this place like that you live in? And I finally came up with a one-line answer. And the one-line answer is that, that Pine Island and Matt Lachey Island, all these islands that, that are grouped with us, are the kind of islands where you don't have to wear shoes into the bar and you can bring your dog with you. Hmm. What and you... I get a response from the other people in the tuxedos, and they're either... Uh, really impressed or aghast. Yeah, you can use that as a barometer for people's uh, uh, perspectives. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, what are your plans? Do you plan to rebuild out there? Do you have you made that decision yet? Like, what's what's next? How do you proceed? You know, at this square one. The 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 plans are at this point. It's a little complicated and stuff, so I don't want to get into all that. But um, we're going to be, uh, we evacuated to an in-laws apartment in Tampa. Uh, all along this way, I have run into, from the day of the hurricane, um, I have run into people that have been the very best of humanity. And I think it's worth it to bring that up. 
I think it's worth it to say that on the worst day of our coast's history, when 56,000 houses were either totally destroyed or catastrophically damaged, 56,000 along our coast, just in Lee County, um, that all along our experience from that day of the hurricane, we've run into people that exhibit the very best in humanity. Uh, for instance, on Pine Island, I want to say a big, big thank you to the Haunches, the Pennas, the Williamsons, who followed the island tradition and cleared the roads. Now, no, no big equipment could come over from the mainland. We didn't have connection to the mainland. But it's an island tradition that we clear our own roads. They got it done within one day after the hurricane. That's incredibly impressive. Uh, food uh, was distributed on the island even before uh, we had the, uh, the road rebuilt, which was rebuilt in record time. Um, and many neighbors pitched in to help us. And then on the day that we went to leave, because we knew we'd have to get to Tampa to try to reconnect and find computers and clothes and buy shoes and things like that, um, I, we ended up getting in a boat with people we didn't know. He was a Cuban refugee who took his own boat. He'd been here three years. He took his own boat, lived in Cape Coral, and he went out to Pine Island to help people because he wanted to help his new country. And he had also some Mexican uh, people on the boat too, and they helped us carry things because it was only what we could carry. And they were great people. And it was refugees, former refugees, helping new refugees. And all along the experience, I ran into that everywhere, here in Tampa uh, uh, and all over. To give you an example, a guy from Puerto Rico, who has some dry cleaner company, uh, dry cleaner stores in Tampa, he was... Uh, from Puerto Rico that, of course, got wiped out in uh, Hurricane Maria. Uh, when we showed up to try to get some clothes cleaned, he said, you know what? Come to my warehouse. Go through all the unclaimed clothing. You can have whatever you want. And then when we found some clothes from uh, the debris that were, you can imagine what they smelled like and looked like, he dry cleaned all of them for free. He didn't have to do any of that, but he did. So hmm. there are a lot of good people out there, and these kind of situations bring the best of humanity out. You know, um, you kind of already answered this question I want to ask, but I'm going to ask it and see if anything else comes forth. You know, you're a writer. You're an introspective person. You know, have you learned anything about human nature through this that you didn't know already? Because this is one of those, you know, it's a, it's a landmark in anyone's life. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've run into refugees in uh, the Middle East, in Africa, in South America, Central America, Southeast Asia. Um, I've run into refugees. Most of them were war refugees. Um, some of them were natural disaster refugees. And uh, throughout my life, I've run into these people. 
And your heart goes out to them as you travel along, as you're walking with them or near them, uh, as you speak with them. Um, And now I'm a refugee. And I'm an American. And Americans aren't used to being refugees. But it's it's one of those things where it it sort of teaches you it's the great equalizer. And um, so I tried never to look down on other refugees, but to be sympathetic. But it's a whole other ballgame when you've been through it. And what we've been through is nothing compared to what a war refugee, like in Ukraine, nobody's shooting at us. But... Um, so it gives you kind of an understanding a little more of the thousand-yard stare that refugees have uh, and of the uh, great ahead. appreciation that they have for any kind of help. So, um, You know, I know you, you have a newsletter you send out to your fans. You've got a great relationship with many of your readers. Have you been hearing from any of them? Have you put, you know, do they know what you're going through? Uh, hundreds. Hundreds from all from from Australia all across North America from Europe. Um, my readers, uh, which call themselves the Wakians, uh, the Wakians have been wonderful and checking on us, making sure we're okay, and uh, offering help. I've gotten I've gotten offers to live all over the place. I mean, it's just amazing, and um, and I I just greatly appreciate all of the good wishes and the prayers. Um, and uh, so it just, you know, as bad as it is, there's a whole lot of good things that are going on that are influence, uh, influencing us. And, um, and I think it's important to recognize that and hang on to that. Um, we're pretty much out of time, but you'd mentioned you're working on your next book. Is that basically already done? Or, you know, is this going to put a crimp in that progress? Or are you going to get it done? No, it's already done. Uh, It was, uh, I had to do an approval, authors have to do an approval of the final galley proof. And um, and so I I did that in uh, three and a half days. Normally it takes me five. But I did it uh, on the hurry up. uh, And this happened uh, just the day after I got off the island. So uh, I applied myself Hmm. um, diligently and got that done. Uh, the Naval Institute, uh, the, the uh, project editor was extremely appreciative because then they found out what had happened to us. Huh. And um, so, no, it's still coming out in April, and, um, and, I, and I hope we can have another show maybe in April where we can talk about that and, yeah, under- and it can be a podcast. Under better circumstances. Um, Well, Bob, I thank you so much for your time. Robert N. Maycomer is an award-winning author of Maritime Novels. His most recent book, Code of Honor, was released earlier this year, and his 17th book will be out next year. Bob, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and our listeners today. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you very much, Mike. It was a a great pleasure to be here. If you missed any of our show today, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. For now, thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.